Well, if we haven't met, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Very nice to meet you. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us today. All right, well, who remembers the first time you fell in love? Yeah, woo, woo, at the back, woo. Most of us had, have had a moment where, where we were like, oh, I think I like her, or I think I like him. You know, and some of us are going through that right now. And if you are, enjoy it. It's such a gift. But, you know, some of us haven't had that moment for a while. And, and that's okay too, because God's still in control, right? But what happens when we start liking someone? You know, I did some research on the trusty internet. And what it says is we get nervous around people, right? Our hands get sweaty. Our, our knees get weak. <sighs> I was going to, yeah, finish that, but thank you. You know, but if you're confused about whether you're in love or not, then, then these are the signs to look out for, right? Number one, your pupils dilate. I don't know how you're going to check that, but your pupils dilate when you're in love. Number two, you may feel a little sick. It may not be the fried rice that you've had for the last four weeks. You know, number three, like a stalker, uh, you just can't keep your eyes off your partner. Number four, a psychology journal actually published a study in 2011, right, that found that your voice actually might get higher. Interesting. You know, from my years of watching Korean drama and observing those people around me, there's this one common thread, this one universal common thread, right, that every single person in love goes through. And it's this. They begin to love everything that the other person loves. How true is that, right? It's such a natural response to falling in love. When you love someone, you want to love everything that the other person loves. You love anime, I love anime. You love cats, I like cats. You know, you want to care about everything that the other person cares about. Essentially, what's happening is that your heart is beating in time with the other person's heart. And so what we're going to see in this last chapter in Jonah 4 is, is God asked this question to Jonah. Jonah, is your heart beating in time with mine? Jonah, do you really care about what I care about? So let's read Jonah chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, it should be on the screen at the back. If you don't, uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He was angry at the fact that God uh, re- re- relented of his anger. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents uh, from sending calamity. Excuse me. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better uh, for me to live than to die. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Excuse me, I'm not crying. Um, (laughs) uh, It's just my allergies are flaring up, so... If I'm sniffling, excuse me, if I look like I've been crying all night, it's not because my heart is broken, <laughs> but it's, uh, my allergies are just flowing up like crazy. Um, verse 5, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, in, a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. 
verse 6, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his comfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Um, but at dawn the very next day, God provided a worm. Can I please get some tissues? Thank you. <laughs> Which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God, thank you, sir. Um, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Verse 11, and should I not be concerned for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell from their right hand. Thank you, sir. <laughs> wow, thank you. <laughs> who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And also many animals. Amen. Well, we're right at the end of our Jonah series, right? Uh, we've, we've seen over the last four weeks how the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I remember Jonah's name means peace and truth. And we find out that Jonah was actually nothing like peace and truth. Just like all the other prophets, Jonah was called by God. This was his full-time gig. And where all, all the other prophets obeyed God when they heard his call, Jonah went the other way. He disobeyed God. Jonah flees in the opposite direction to Tarshish. And we're showing how his disobedience and his sinful nature, right, his sinful choice led into a downward spiral. But God in his mercy in chapter 2, he provides a massive fish to swallow Jonah. And it's inside this fish that he begins to thank God for, for saving him. And so God commands the fish to vomit Jonah out. And from there, Jonah is given a second chance to do things right. And that's what we saw last week. We saw that he obeyed God and he went, but his heart was far from, from being right. And so today, what we're going to see in this final chapter is a conversation between God and Jonah. And it's such a confusing conversation because it, when you read it, it feels like you're the third will or the fifth will in like, at like a dinner. Like if you've ever been in that situation, it, it's, it's weird because it feels like you just shouldn't be there. And so what we're going to see in this chapter is God questioning Jonah, God gently exposing the nature of Jonah's heart. If you don't get anything out of today, right, get this, the whole chapter of Jonah, the entire story of Jonah is summed up in this question. Do you care about what God cares about? Is your heart beating in time with God? So as we look through the chapter, we're going to see, number one, Jonah's confrontation with God. Number two, the love of God. Number three, the providence of God. And number four, the mercy of God. The first thing that we see in this chapter is Jonah's confrontation with God. Verse one, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Verse two, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. What's going on? What's all this talking about? Last week in chapter 3, it ended with the people of Nineveh and the king of Nineveh repenting, right? 
repenting and turning to God. What does it say in the New Testament about sinners who repent and turn to God? Luke 15, 10. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is saying there is rejoicing. There is a celebration. There is a party going on in heaven when one sinner repents. The angels rejoice. God rejoices. So this city of Nineveh, they repent. God is happy. The people are happy. The king of Nineveh is happy. The angels are happy. In chapter 4, verse 1, it should read, And Jonah rejoiced with the Ninevites. The end. But that's not how chapter 4 goes. Everyone in this story of Jonah have learned a lesson. The sailors, the Ninevites, the king of Nineveh, and now it's Jonah's time to learn a lesson. You know, one of the tough things about the English language is that we, don't, we just don't have enough words to describe things. In the Greek, there are five different ways you can use the word love. But in the English, we've only got the one word love to cover everything. What we see in verse 1 in the English translation is the word angry, right? And this is interesting because Jonah became angry, but that doesn't come close to the actual original Hebrew word that was used. We're meant to read it like this. Jonah was inflamed. Jonah was greatly displeased. You know, Jonah saw people believe in God and it made his skin crawl. He was burning with anger. He believed that Nineveh shouldn't be forgiven. And what he was ultimately saying was, God, I don't approve of your intent. I don't approve of your action. Jonah was angry toward God. You know, there's a famous Christian musician by the name of Jeremy Camp. Before he was 24, uh, he, went, he, he would experience the love and heartbreak all within a, all within a couple of months. He met his first wife at a college camp, and they fell in love, but as unpredictable and fallen as our world is, uh, she was diagnosed with an ovarian cancer that spread to her major organs. But a month before they were to get married, uh, the doctors cleared her of all tumors and cancer-free. And so they married in 2000. After they returned from their honeymoon, uh, they found out that her cancer had relapsed, and she was given weeks to months to live. And, she, and so she passed away in 2001, a couple of months after they got married. I remember hearing this story, and I remember hearing him say that he was so angry and so bitter towards God that, that he broke his guitar and he threw his Bible across the room in frustration. You know, just like Jeremy Kent was frustrated with God, Jonah was angry and frustrated with God. Now, you get to listen really carefully to this because I'm not saying that you can't be angry toward God. I'm not saying that you can't vent your frustrations toward God. John Piper says, It's never right to be angry with God, but we should always tell Him when we are. God wants us to worship Him truly and honestly, but with humility. Jonah was missing that humility part. And we saw in chapter 1, Jonah run away from the face of God, right? But now we see Jonah square up to God, ready to, to fight him. Jonah is squaring up to God and he tells him, If I were God, 
I would do it this way. That's pride. And what's interesting to see here is there's a little play on words here at the beginning of verse 2. Literally, Jonah said, is this not my word? At the beginning of the story, it was the word of the Lord that came to Jonah. So when Jonah finally spoke in this chapter, right, he was saying, okay, God, I have heard your word. Now you are going to hear my word. And he continues by quoting Exodus 34, 6. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. You know, what Jonah was doing here was that he was throwing God's words back at God's face. He was trying to justify himself running away. Jonah was disapproving of God's character. He was saying, God, I knew this about you. I know who you are. And my heart, and in my heart, I don't want this to be true because I hate the Ninevites. The second thing that we see in this chapter is God's love for Jonah. Verse 4, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? The obvious answer to this question is no, right? Jonah has no right to be angry with God. So what is God asking? How many know that if God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, right? But he asks us for our sake. God, in his deep love for us, he puts forth questions to help us discover things that we need. Just think about that. Questions from God expose our hearts. They reveal who we really are. If you think about the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, there are so many questions that God asks, heaps of questions. What's the first question that God asks in the Bible? Does anybody know? It's, where are you, Adam and Eve, after they ate the fruit? To Job, where were you, Job, when I created the world? To the Pharisees, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Can you see what God is doing? Can you see that when God asks a question, right, it's not because he doesn't know, but it's to reveal what's going on deep in our hearts. God, in his love for Jonah, he puts forth these questions because he's exposing what's really in Jonah's heart. God loves Jonah so much that he's not just going to let him be. And so God is showing Jonah the mercy and the grace, the slowness of anger, the steadfast love that Jonah was throwing back at God's face. How amazing is that? This question from God to Jonah was meant to show Jonah how sweet God's mercy is so that he might delight in others having it too. But what we see is Jonah storming off and sitting down outside the city. The third thing that we see is the providence of God. Verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up, grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was happy, was very happy about the plant. So we see in verses 5 and 6, Jonah sulk and storm out of the city, right? He goes and makes a shelter for himself. He sits in the sun 
and he waits for what will happen to this city. Because at this point, he, he doesn't have uh, chapter 3, verse 10, where God relented, right? So he doesn't know what's going to happen. And it's here that God provides three things for Jonah, a leafy plant, a worm, and a scorching wind. God is arranging these circumstances around Jonah to reveal actually what's going on in his heart. Have you ever thought about it like this? Life will throw at us circumstances and events, right? But circumstances don't make us do anything. Circumstances don't put anything into your heart, but, they, but what they do is they expose what's already there. Circumstances can affect us and influence us, but they don't determine who we are or how we respond. We respond out of what's already in our hearts. Has anyone, while helping your parents uh, with their tech questions, actually just like lashed out at them? Yes? Yes. You know, everything was going all right. You're patiently helping them connect to the internet for like the 50th time. But on the 51st time, you just snap and you just feel bad. What's going on? Well, the circumstance has revealed a heart of impatience. It has exposed what's actually going on in your heart, that we are not as patient and loving as we thought. God uses these circumstances around Jonah to help him see that just as God was in charge of the waves and the storm, God was sovereign over the plant the worm, and the wind. He's trying to remind Jonah that he is the one who is the provider and the destroyer. It is God who raises up and brings down. It is God who cares about the eternal, not just the temporal. God had arranged all these circumstances, the waves, the storm, the sailors, the fish. God had arranged all this to get Jonah to give mercy to the Ninevites. But if you see in this story, in the middle of it all, what God is trying to do, what God is doing is he's arranging these circumstances to get mercy to Jonah because Jonah needs to get saved just as bad as these Ninevites. I know there are some of us here who who are going through a rough time, a rough season. You know, 2022 hasn't been kind to you. You're feeling the pull and the stretch of constant setbacks and disappointments. And you feel like you're about to give up. But let me challenge you to begin to ask God to help you see these specific providences in your life. Ask God to help you see them for what they really are. That they are heart-exposing acts of God's mercy That God is bringing into your life circumstances and situations to show you things. You know, how different would our lives be if that was our prayer? If we constantly saw these particular providences in our lives, because I promise you, it will change everything. Once you know that God is in charge, once you know that it's all from God, it changes everything. So the next time you get stuck in traffic, The next time your reservation gets cancelled. The next time you miss your flight. The next time you get stuck behind someone ordering 10 barmies at Top Ride. You know what I mean. Whatever it is, ask God to give you eyes to see these providences and what God is exposing in your heart. 
Because what we have to know is that either God is in control of everything or he's not. There's no half-half in this. And the Bible is so clear about this. God rules everything. We've seen it through these last four chapters in Jonah. God is in complete control. So we get to our fourth point, the mercy of God. If you've grown up in the church or you've heard some sort of story about Jonah, uh, then it's often summarized like this. Jonah waited under a tree in verse 4. God says to Jonah, Jonah, make sure you do what I say next time. Jonah responds, sure thing, God, the end. But it actually doesn't finish like that, right? Jonah's only concern was for the leaf, but more specifically how it made him feel. What God is doing here is is confronting Jonah's priorities. Verse 10 and 11 is, is God showing Jonah his lack of alignment with the desires and concerns of God. What God is concerned about. What is the desire of God's heart? It's the people of Nineveh. It's people. God is concerned about people. I wonder how many of us are here are like Jonah. How many of us like it when mercy and grace is extended to us, but we have a hard time extending it to other people? People that have hurt us. People that have spread malicious lies about us. Past boyfriends, girlfriends. Are there people in your life that you have a hard time celebrating them receiving mercy? Is there anyone in your life that you've had a hard time extending mercy to? What I'm about to read to you uh, is from a man who has committed some horrific crimes. But when he was in jail, he actually made a profession in Christ. Listen to what he says. It is wrong for people who commit crimes to try to shift blame to someone else. I think that's just a cop-out. I take full responsibility. I didn't feel accountable to anybody. There comes a point when a person has to be accountable. I'm alone. I alone am responsible for what happened. I always believed the lie that evolution is truth, that we all come from slime, and when we die, that's it. I've come to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true creator of the earth. I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and I believe that everyone, including myself, will be accountable to him. If a person doesn't think there isn't a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. I've since come to believe that the Lord Jesus is the true, is true, is the true God, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the one true God. Jeffrey Dahmer. Now for, you who, now, for you who don't know Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, Netflix did a documentary on him. I think it was a couple of weeks ago or so. Uh, but he'll go down in history as one of the most violent and wicked men in all of history. He abducted at least 17 men and boys. He raped, tortured, and cannibalized his victims. But through a series of events, um, series of Bible studies, mail team, uh, 
and Bible studies with a Christian minister. Dharma gave his life to Christ. He continued to study the Bible every week in prison until the day of his murder in 1994. Now, was his confession true? I don't know. I, I really do hope so. But the question for us is, would you have a hard time extending mercy to someone like Jeffrey Dahmer? Would you have an issue with extending mercy to someone who has wronged you, maybe a business partner, maybe a trusted friend or a family member, or a wife or husband who's broken your trust? God shows mercy to whoever he wants. He shows mercy to people in all sorts of sin. The book of Jonah is all about that. At the very heart of the book of Jonah is what, it's, is, is what forgiveness and mercy is all about. And it's the same heart that Jesus had when he was on the earth, when he, when he saw the crowds and had compassion on them. And Jesus calls us who have been saved to have the same heart of compassion and mercy like he did. This is what it means to respond to the gospel, to know that we are the ones who have received the undeserved mercy and grace of God, that God pursued us through many circumstances, that God providentially arranged circumstances to bring us to our knees. And when we know that, we need to be a people who proclaim and extend the same mercy and grace to everyone, regardless of who they are or what they look like, that they might come and trust in Jesus. And in this last little bit of the story of Jonah, we see the contrast of Jonah's heart. Right, He's sitting on a hill, frustrated over a vine that had withered and made him uncomfortable. But down below in Nineveh were thousands of people who needed a relationship with God. And God was asking Jonah, which is more important, Jonah, the shade or the people? And so I want to challenge you this week. Prioritize God's heart. I remember at my previous job in IT, I was working for a startup company and and my direct manager, she was located in San Francisco. I knew she was busy. I knew the time zone wasn't, wasn't that great. Um, I knew she was looking after a whole bunch of people. But my first interaction with her was one and a half years into my job. Uh, and, and it was because of a mistake someone had made. Now, I don't know how you would have felt in that moment, but, but I knew instantly from that interaction that she didn't really care about my growth as an employee, or even how I was doing, right? All she was looking at was the data. She was just looking at the numbers. And just like how my, my manager was concerned about the numbers, Jonah was concerned only about the leaf. Don't be like Jonah, who was more concerned about the leaf than human beings. God prioritizes people over things. So you need to ask yourself this question. Am I concerned about people or things? Because ultimately, everything that we have will one day be in the dump. It will be in a garage sale somewhere. We came into this world with nothing in our hands, and we will leave this world with nothing in our hands. But I'm not saying that God doesn't give us nice things to enjoy, because He does. We just have to know that 
Everything that we have is God's. And our desire for things, it should never override our commitment to people and their eternity. So how do we prioritize God's heart? We hold things loosely. And we love what he loves and hate what he hates. We turn our eyes to Jesus and do whatever he asks. I don't know what God is asking you to do in this specific moment. Maybe it's to forgive a family member or release the, the bitterness or the burden of a past hurt. Or it may be to give to those in need. I don't know what it is. But I do know that God longs for his children to follow his lead. He wants our heart beat to beat in time with his. So whatever he's asking you to do, do it because you'll never regret it. The whole message of Jonah can be summed, like, summed up like this. Don't be like Jonah. His heart was not in sync with the heartbeat of God. And what we need to do is look at Jonah's life and compare it with ours. Every time you read this book of Jonah, it should be a reality check, a self-diagnostic tool for your heart. Because it should remind us that, that it's not only the non-believers who need to repent, but it's also us. We're called to follow God and love what God loves and hate what He hates. We're called to live lives of faithfulness and care for the lives and needs of others. I want to leave you with this thought. The question that God leaves Jonah with is this. Jonah, do you care about what I care about? And if you notice at the very end of the story, uh, there is no answer from Jonah. Did you guys ever see that? Jonah doesn't respond. The book of Jonah just finishes with a question, and it feels so random. But what we have to know is that it's as if God is purposefully and strategically moving us, you and me, the readers of this book, to the very end of chapter 4 to the very end of the story. And, it, and it's as if, like Jonah, we've been cornered. We've got no place to run or hide. And it's as if God is asking us that very question, right? Do you care about what I care about? And the reason why the story of Jonah finishes with no answer is because you are the prophet. And only you can answer God's question. Let's close our eyes in prayer.